0: thank you guys it's uh it's good to be here um and we are here for your guys i think very first service in this uh, location i believe uh so really excited to be back and uh, be here with you guys just big fans um of what you guys are doing right here uh in the middle of uh, austin honestly i'm a little bit jealous um whenever we had moved here we had thought that that was kind of where god was going to have us and so uh, we end up finding ourselves in Round Rock, but we're excited about what God's going to do there. But really big fans of what you guys are doing here uh, right in Austin. Um, so a little bit about me and uh, my wife, uh, Savannah. We, uh, we moved here from Springfield, Missouri, and um, we had been there for about four years. I was a pastor there, um, and before that I was in the military is when I actually got saved in my mid-20s. And uh, God did a radical life change in my heart, and up getting out and kind of trusting him, and God just kind of... Uh, worked us through that and showed us exactly where we were supposed to go and found ourselves here in Austin, Texas, planting a church. And so, excited to be here with you guys this morning. Um, if you guys have a Bible, if you would open up to Acts, uh, chapter number 8. And um, I was uh, just praying through and trying to figure out what I wanted to talk on and what I wanted to speak to uh, you guys about. And um, this is a sermon I had actually done uh, a while back, probably about a, a two years ago, um, with some of our students uh, in Missouri and um, it was impactful for them, and so I wanted to share that with you guys, um, and I think hopefully it'll relate to them. I, I really do believe that God's got a word for somebody here today um, through this word. So Acts chapter 8, and we're going to start in verse number uh, 26, and it's the story of Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch. It says this in verse number 26, now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, rise and go toward the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem. To Gaza, this is a desert place. And he rose and went. And there was an Ethiopian eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians. He was in charge of all of her treasure. He'd come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning, seated in his chariot, and was reading the prophet Isaiah. And the Spirit said to Philip, "Go over and join this chariot." So Philip ran and ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet, and asked, "Do you understand what you're reading?" And he said, How can I, unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now the passage of scripture that he was reading was this Like a sheep he was led to the slaughter, and like a lamb before its shears is silent, he opened not his mouth, and in his humiliation and in his humiliation justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. And the eunuch said to Philip, About whom I asked does the prophet say? about himself or about someone else. Then Philip opened his mouth and began with this scripture. He told them the good news about Jesus. And as they were going along the road, they came to some water and the eunuch said, See, here is water. What prevents me from being baptized? And he commanded the chariot to stop. And they both went down into the water, Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And when they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord carried Philip away and the eunuch saw him no more. And he went on his way rejoicing, but Philip found himself in Azatos, and as he passed through, he preached the gospel to all the towns until he came to Caesarea. Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for your word. Thank you for the opportunity just to be able to be here with this body of believers, Father. Father, I pray today that you would um, just get me out of the way, that you would speak through your word today. That uh, if we don't see anything else, God, that we would see how your son is more beautiful than we could imagine. And uh, just the fact that we have the opportunity to be able to share that same love and affection with others. Father, it's in your powerful name we pray. Amen. Uh, How many of you guys, you guys had chores growing up? You had had chores you had to do, like your parents made you do chores, right? Be a respectable young adult. I I had chores growing up. And uh, I was just talking... um, uh, I, forgive me. What, what was your name again? Philip. Philip. I was talking with Philip about. Oh, excellent. Perfect. Uh, I was speaking with Philip uh, earlier, just about um, a little bit of my childhood. And I actually grew up uh, for about three years in upstate New York, and uh, we lived up near the Adirondack Mountains. And so, if you know anything about that area, uh, it gets really, really dark at night. Like you're away from the city, you're away from the lights. And so, uh, used to, uh, we, we grew up there in the Adirondack Mountains. And my mom, she would give me chores. She would say, hey, Ben, uh, your job is to take out the trash before your father comes home. Right? And so like any, any good you know, fourth or fifth grader, I waited all the way up until like 6 o'clock, right? 6 p.m. And then my mom's like, by the time your dad gets home, right, he's going to be pretty upset, so you better get this done. So I, I go out there, and I, I start getting all the trash ready, put it in the garbage bin, and I open up the garage door. And sure enough, right, it's like pitch dark out, like you can't see your hand in front of your face. And so I'm, you know, I'm like mentally and like emotionally preparing myself for what's going to happen. Because up in the Adirondack Mountains, like there's sightings of like bears, right? There's, and again, in in a kid's mind, right? There's all sorts of things that come after you, right? Whenever you go out into the dark. So here I am, I I open up the garage door and and there's nothing but blackness out there. As I emotionally prepare myself and I, I get my trash can and I start walking out to the road. Right, and, and every step away from the light as I move out into, into the driveway, out toward the road, right, the tension starts to build. Right? Any anybody else been there with me? Like you, you just feel the tension rising. And so I'm I'm pushing the trash can out there and the tension is rising and rising. And and, and I push the trash can, I get it all the way out to the road. Right? It's like this climactic moment. Like I look back and like the light is so far out there, right, as a little kid. I'm like, oh my gosh, it's so far away. And so I push the trash can all the way out there, and at that moment, that's when it was like a shot, and I, I take off, right? If, had I been in the Olympics, Usain Bolt wouldn't have stood a chance, right? Like, I'm running back, and I'm hitting the garage door, right? Because who knows what's going to climb underneath, right, when the garage door's going down. And so I, I bolt, and I take off, and I'm pushing the garage door trying to get it down, and, and finally it closes. I'm like, whew, I made it. I made it. And 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 I think for for a lot of us, right? Like we we have a tendency to overemphasize stuff like that. Like you you ever been there where you've got those things where you just build up in your mind, and you feel like feel like something's just chasing you, right? Like something in the dark, something behind you. It's just it's coming after you. And the thing is, is that I think a lot of us we actually have a propensity to live our life that way, where we can't really put our finger on it. We can't really even articulate it to you, but there 's just something that's that's been chasing us that 's been after us, and so I think for a lot of us, if we were to really drill down into this, if we were to really think about this for a lot of us it 's actually our past it's things that have happened in our past that maybe have been done to us or, or we 've done to others, and for whatever reason, our past it has this way of kind of always being there in the dark, just behind us and for many of us, it actually causes us to uh, not be able to live out the purpose that God has given us. Uh, and so, I want to come around this concept and this idea today of your purpose—the purpose that God has given you—and the past that you have, that baggage that you deal with. And so, uh, for me, um, this is something that you know I wrestled with. At, um, what is that? What does that past look like? And how do, I, how do I move forward with, what, with all that God is uh, calling me to? There's a movie that came out, um, it was back in the 80s, called Chariots of Fire. Anybody remember that movie? They had the really epic, uh, the, the scene where they're running along the beach and they got that really epic uh, soundtrack going. Um, I love that movie. It's really, really cool. And today, as we're talking, right there's this chariot in here and it kept making me think about this. But um, as I was thinking about it, there's these two guys that are in this movie. One of them is running from something, his past. And one of them is running towards something. Um, this guy, his name is Harold Abraham. And he is a Jew. And he's actually running from his past. He's running from the society around him. They're anti-Semitic. Um, he's running from his own personal demons. He's also running from self-doubt. The other guy in there, his name uh, is uh, Eric Little. And he's actually running towards something. He's actually running toward his purpose. In fact, he gives this quote and this is a true this is a true quote. He says this. And this is Eric Little. He says, "I believe that God made me for a purpose. But he also made me fast, and when I run, I feel his pleasure." Do you catch that? He connected what he did with the purpose that God had given him and the pleasure that came from God enjoying from from God Pouring out his love on him in that purpose. And yet, here was a guy, Harold Abrahams, who had gone to the Olympics, right? had gotten medals, and yet he was still running from something in his past. I think many of us today, that we don't pursue our purpose because of our past. I think many of us today, we don't pursue our purpose because of our past. Because we think that only perfect people get to serve a part in God's purpose. Only people that have their act together, they're the ones who actually get to serve God. They're the ones who actually get to serve and, and be a part of the purpose that God has given them. And yet, as we turn to this, as we turn to these, this scripture here in Acts chapter number 8, um, what we see here is this guy by the name of Philip. And if you do any research on Philip, you know that Philip actually, he's not an apostle. In fact, the, only, the first time Philip comes on the scene is when there's an administrative crisis. Right? The church is exploding, it's growing, There's, they just get 3,000 people, and they're adding, it says they're adding to their number daily. And they're looking around, they're saying, hey, h- how are we going to be able to feed these people and care for these people? Like, how are we going to do the administrative work of, of keeping this church up and running? Because the apostles are like, hey, we, we feel called, we know that our purpose is to go and preach the word of God. And so we need people to come alongside of us and, and help us with these administrative tasks. And one of those people was Stephen. One of the other ones of the twelve was Philip. So Philip is just an ordinary, everyday guy, right? Like he's he's a normal dude who's just good with numbers, and yet he finds himself put into this position, and he finds himself helping the church, serving the church, being a part of what God is doing, being a part of the body. And so here's Philip. He's just an ordinary, everyday guy, and I think a lot of times. Um, you and I, we have this tendency to think that if, it's only if people that are on stage or people that are in front of people, that's who God's truly pleased with. Or that's who God truly has a purpose for. And yet we see here that every part of the body, we can go back to Scripture in the New Testament, where here, here the Apostles were talking about, uh, the Apostle Paul talks about the, the body of Christ. This is how the church should operate. How each part right is an integral part. And yet here's Philip, an ordinary everyday guy, and we see him playing this incredible purpose with God's plan for his life. So my prayer for you is that the passion of your life would not be to pursue personal ambition, but to, to seek and to find God and to pursue the purpose that he has for you in your life. And so I want to look at this, and, and I want to look at this idea of purpose. And so if we would, turn back to uh, verse number 26. And it says this, it says, Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Rise and go toward the south, Go to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. Here he is. Here's Philip. He's basically running a, a mega church revival, right? He's in, he's there in this, in this city. He's running this incredible ministry. Hundreds, probably even thousands of people are coming to faith. And all of a sudden God speaks to him. It says, an, it says an angel of the Lord came and he spoke to him and he said, Hey, uh, I've got a mission for you. How many know that God still speaks through his word today? That if, if, you're, if you're frustrated and you're wondering why is it so foggy, maybe, can I, just, can I just be honest with you, maybe you need to get into your word and maybe you need to just pursue God for a season of your life. Maybe you need to do some prayer and fasting. Say, God, what do you have for me? Right? Why is this foggy in my life? So here he is, here's Philip, and, and God comes and he speaks to him. And he says, this is what I want you to do. And it doesn't make any sense whatsoever. He says, I want you to go to this road. It's Jerusalem to Gaza. There's actually two roads that lead out of Jerusalem. And this was the one that nobody took. Right? This is the one that nobody went to. And he even he clarifies it. He says, this road from Jerusalem to Gaza, this is a desert place. This is a place where nothing is there. Where when you look at it, you don't see anything. You see... You and I as, as, as humans, you and I as, as uh, God's creation, when we look and we see the desert place, you, you know what we see? We don't see anything. We see, we see pain. Maybe you're, in a, maybe you're in a spot today where you're asking, God, God, why am I in this spot? Why am I here? God, maybe you're uncertain about your future. Maybe you're uncertain about what God has actually called you to. Maybe you actually heard from God and then you found yourself in a desert place and you're saying, God, why in the world am I here? I thought you called me to this. I thought you told me to go there. Philip finds himself on a road to nowhere in the middle of the desert. How many of you know that what we see as desert, God can use for divine destiny? what you and i see is nothing what you and i see is pain what you and i see is uh, god i'm so frustrated where am i at god says i can use this because this is exactly where i want you it may be difficult it may be hard and yet God's, god sends philip there i think a lot of times you and i we have this tendency to think that once we once we accept jesus christ and we start following him that it's going to be smooth sailing That our life is just going to get better and better when it comes to the circumstances around us. And yet I look at the apostles, I look at Philip, I look at the people in the early church, and I see that God continues to push them. He's like, hey, I want you to trust me once again. Abraham, how long did he wander? Right, He got told at 75 in Ur that he would be the father of many nations. He didn't have a son until he was 100 years old. You think at 99 he wasn't sitting there thinking... Man, are you still here, God? I'm in this desert. I'm in this desert place. What are you doing? And yet here's God. He tells Philip, he says, I want you to go to the desert. You know, you may be here today and you may have, you may be in a desert season and it may have come from things that you've done or it may have, may have actually been there because of things that have been done to you. That somehow you can't fulfill God's purpose because of that desert, because of those those chariots that were chasing you from your past. Maybe that's where you find yourself today. And you find yourself sitting in that spot and you say, there's no way that God could truly use me. You know, the things that God's been placed on my heart, I don't know. I don't know if he could really use me. And so we wrestle with this, don't we? This season, this in-between time. How many of you know that God does his best work in the middle of nowhere? That's exactly where God does his best work, because it's in that moment where God gets the most glory. It's it's in those moments where God gets the most glory, because we realize it had nothing to do with me. It had nothing to do with my plan. It had nothing to do with my, with my, my, my group that I'd gathered around me or the people that I'd brought along. It had nothing to do with that. It was just God. Some of God's best work actually happens in the middle of nowhere. In fact, nations were birthed out of the middle of nowhere. We just talked about Abraham. Nations were birthed out of the middle of nowhere. Destinies were changed in Egypt, right? When they cried out to God and they didn't see any other way out. How do we get out of the most powerful nation in the world? We're, we're a bunch of slaves. God does his best work in the middle of nowhere. And in fact, this story actually talks about how the gospel is introduced. An entire continent is changed in the middle of nowhere. So here's Philip in the desert, this dangerous, uncomfortable, unknown place. And he finds this guy. Verse 27. Check this out. It says, and he rose and went. And there was an Ethiopian eunuch, a court official of Candace. Now, this lady, Candace, she's a big deal. So um, the nation of Ethiopia um, was was a really, really wealthy uh, country. In fact, the nation of Ethiopia actually would defeat the Egyptians um, years later. Uh, So it was a very, very powerful country. And this guy is basically the national treasurer. He's in charge of all the national, like the GDP, right, of this country. This guy is a big deal. And it just so happens that this guy shows up in the middle of nowhere. And so here he is, here's Philip, and it says in verse 27 that he arose and went. The thing is, with Philip, he had to overcome some, some of his own obstacles and bears in his own life. You see, for Philip, who was a good Jewish boy, right, he had to overcome some of the racial barriers in order to make this happen. He sees that God calls him to go do that. Do you think he wouldn't have had some questions? Well, wait a minute, God. That doesn't sound like my upbringing. Well, well, wait a minute, God. I'm not sure that, that, that I should cross this socioeconomic border that I have here, this educational border, and yet God calls him to do just that. I wonder where wonder where you are in your life. If there are people that God's placed you in your circle of influence to do just that. Maybe God has placed you in your circle of influence and in your situation, in your work, to cross over some of those same type of borders and barriers and boundaries. Because here's Philip, and it says that he actually obeyed. And, And more than that, look what it says here in verse number 30. It says that he actually, he ran to him. Right? Philip wasn't playing around. He said, God called me to do this. I'm moving forward with everything that I've got. I'm moving forward with all that I am. I know for myself, there's many times where I have a tendency to, to hold back and have a plan B and, and want to make sure that I've got some sort of safety net before I go. And yet, here's Philip. He's saying, God's called me to it. I'm all in. Right, Like, burn, burn the ships behind me. I'm here, and I'm doing what you've called me to. It says, Philip ran. And so he runs... And he goes after this chariot. And so he gets there and he says, do you understand what you're reading? And he said, how can I, and this is one of the saddest ones, how can I unless someone guides me? You know, there are people around you today who are asking that same question. How can I? And maybe the reason that you're put in this desert season is for your purpose. Maybe the reason God has placed you in this desert season is just to reach that one person. That one individual. Because what can happen? I mean, we know what happened with this guy. This guy changed an entire continent. In fact, the entire nation of Ethiopia is the only Christian nation still existent on the continent of Africa. It lasted thousands of years after Philip and yet, who did he talk to? He didn't have a master plan. He didn't go to Ethiopia and start a massive campaign. You know what he did? He was obedient to God's call with one person. To go to that desert place and talk to this guy. And yet we see it changes everything. I wonder, who is that in your life? Who does God have on your heart right now? That person that, you know, you, you haven't really got around to talking. You haven't really been direct about it. You know, you've you done good job at neighboring. You know, you've talked to him, you've been friendly, but have you actually asked him? Because look what he says. He he says, do you understand what you're reading? He's, He's literally reading the words of Isaiah here about the Messiah. And look what he says. He says, how can I unless someone guides me? How can I? Romans 10, 14, Paul talks about this. He says, he says, how can people know unless we tell them? How can we know? Some, you, you got here today because somebody told somebody that told somebody that told you that lived it out for you. I wonder who that person is in your life today. And so he comes in and and this is what this is such a cool thing. He says he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. He says, "Come sit with me." I think a lot of times, you and I, we, and there's nothing wrong with this, right? I think that God has gifted a, gifted different people, and we want to have plans. And I'm a type A, like, very task-oriented, driven person in that way. But do you see what changes this guy's life? He says, just come sit with me. He says, man, man come sit with me, man. Like, just, just sit down with me. Like, let's just, let's just have a conversation, right? Like, just, will you just be my friend for a minute? Can you just explain this to me? Like, just come sit with me. And Philip comes and he sits with him. I wonder how many people like that that you could, that you could do that with. Like just open your home up and say, come sit with me. Like come to church, I'll buy you lunch. Right? Like, come, come sit in this small group. Like We're going to talk about Jesus and I just want to like love on you. Right? Like Just come sit with me. How many lives would be changed if we would just be obedient to the call of God? Something as small as just come sit with me. And yet, here's Philip, and he does that. I mean, I had a bunch of statistics about Austin and, and just, you know, the unchurched, how many people here don't know about the gospel, but you guys know all that. You guys live here. I guarantee you there's, there's people that are right next door to where you live that need to hear this. Right next door. What would, it, what would it look like just to bring over some cookies and say, hey, would you come sit with us? Would you have dinner with us? We'd love to share about the most important thing in our life. Do you know what would happen? You know what would happen to the city of Austin if every Christian in the greater Austin area would do that? Not just love their neighbor well, but actually just say, man, I want to share the gospel with you in that type of way. Just this personal relationship. Our city would change radically. This church, Austin Chapel, would change radically. If we truly believe that, if we said, man, just come in, I've got some, I've got the most important news to share with you. And Philip does this, this, this Ethiopian, he's there and, and he shares this and, and everything changes. And look what it says here. Look, how, look what he does. It's nothing radical. You don't have this massive plan. It just says here, he, he shares with him what he's reading. And then in verse 35, he asks the question, who is this about? He's reading the prophet Isaiah, talking about right the Messiah. And it says this, Then Philip opened his mouth, and beginning with this scripture, meaning he met him where he was at. He met him exactly where he was at. What do you understand? Let me meet you where you're at. right? I'm going to meet you exactly where you are, and I'm going to share with you the good news about Jesus. You see, you don't have to clean yourself up. You guys know that. There's not not some checklist that you have to do. He says, I'm going to meet you right where you're at. I'm going to love on you right where you are. And I'm going to share the good news about who Jesus is. This is exactly what he does. I think there's some people here today that we don't truly live out this purpose because of our past. Because we don't truly believe that Jesus could be this good. Because we haven't truly accepted this in our life. Like I'm saying this for the guy who stayed up till three looking at porn in the morning. Right, like or the girl who's still wrestling with an eating disorder. Like, we truly don't believe this because we don't we don't truly believe that Jesus would love us in that same way. And you see, when we when we sit down and when you read this book, and when the Holy Spirit starts to speak to you, you start to see who Jesus actually is. That He meets you in your mess, that He meets you right where you're at, just like Philip does with this Ethiopian, and it changes his life forever. It changes it forever. I'm going to close with this. The Ethiopian, is there, and he, he asks the question, hey, you know, what's stopping me, right, from getting baptized? And they find the water, and they pull on up, and they get out, and Philip, in this moment, he takes him and he, he puts him under the water. And, and one of the craziest things, right, in the New Testament, look at this, it says this in verse number 38. And he commanded the chariot to stop. They both went down into the water. Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And when he came out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord carried Philip away. The dude just vanishes. He's gone. Right? The Spirit of the Lord carries him away. And the eunuch saw him no more and went on his way rejoicing. You see, the man didn't need the presence of Philip. Your neighbors don't necessarily need the presence of you. What this man needed... What this Ethiopian needed was the presence of God. And you and I, as image bearers and carriers of God, get the opportunity to be on mission and on purpose with our lives, to share the presence of God, to bring it to those people, to say, "I'm, I'm nothing. I've got nothing to offer you, but I know one that does. I know one that can. I know one that can change your life radically. You see, my story is this, is that it took me, Being a 25-year-old, incredibly prideful captain in the army, to have somebody come alongside me and do the same thing. To say, I'm nothing, but I know one who is everything. And shared that hope and that joy with me, and it changed my life forever. It changed my life forever. I wonder, who's that person in your life that God's calling you to today? Who's that one person that you can say, hey, I just want to sit with you. I want to share this with you. Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for your word. Father, I thank you for the fact that we have an opportunity to partner with you for your plans and your purpose in our life. God, that you didn't allow our past to define us. That you didn't allow our past to hinder us from the purpose that you've called us to. Father, I thank you that your son Jesus wiped the slate clean. God, that he radically changes our life. He gives us a new slate. God, I pray today, God, I, I believe that you have, that you've spoken and that your word today has gone into to several different hearts. Father, I pray that we would be obedient the way that Philip was obedient, to run forward, to move forward in faith. Father, I thank you so much. It's in your powerful name we pray. Amen.